Hi, and welcome to Author Uncut. I'm your host and author, Patrice Williams Marks. Today I'll be reading the final chapter, chapter 13 of my revenge thriller, Counterpunch. But first, if you enjoy my podcast, I'd be so grateful if you spread the word by leaving a rating and a review. Author Uncut can be found wherever you enjoy listening to your podcasts. Rest in power, George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, teen Robert Fuller, and Elijah McCain, whose only crime was playing the violin for rescue cats. Seriously. His last words before he was ultimately killed by the police for walking home was, I'm an introvert. I'm just different. That's all. I'm so sorry. I have no gun. I don't do that stuff. I don't do any fighting. Why are you attacking me? I don't even kill flies. I don't eat meat, but I don't judge people. I don't judge people who do eat meat. Forgive me. I'm so sorry. Those were his last words. Here is a synopsis of Counterpunch. Everest was not the perfect mom, but what she was was fierce. After her husband Anthony died at the hands of a drunk driver, it was up to her to raise their daughter Mo alone. Her love for Mo was both unmistakable and unshakable. But when Mo failed to return home from swim practice with not so much as a text, Everest knew something was wrong. Will Everest find Mo in time to save her life? Better still, what will she do to the scumbag that brutalized her daughter? Make him pay. Chapter 13. The Drive Everest had completed the paperwork necessary for Mo's release into her care. She was given explicit instructions on what to look out for once Mo was back home. Most therapists went over extensive notes on the types of medications. Mo had been given Everest attitude while in the facility, as well as showing resentment towards the world. The therapist was unsure if Mo's rage had honestly subsided or if she was better at covering it up. Either way, it was something that needed to be addressed. The therapist asked one last time whether Everest would allow them to hold Mo another 72 hours, as they thought it would be beneficial and would allow her more time to complete her therapy. But Everest had promised Mo that she would pick her up that day, and she always kept her word. Everest signed the last piece of paperwork, then asked that her daughter be brought in. The therapist placed the documents into a folder and then closed the folder shut before making a phone call. Within ten minutes, Mo was brought into the office. She was wearing the same pieces of clothing she wore when she was admitted. Mo rushed towards Everest's open arms and melted inside her tender embrace. Although emotions were high and Mo kept a tight grip on her mother's waist, Everest felt a twinge of suspicion seep inside her head. Mo was indeed ecstatic and relieved to see her, yet Mo was hiding another emotion that of animosity. Though slight, Everest felt it weave and wrap in between them like an anaconda. The sensation reached her spine where it spread out in both directions like a virus. Everest released Mo from their embrace to gather her coat and purse. She thanked the facility for what they had done for Mo. 
The two of them exited the office and then the facility. Once inside the safety of the car, Evers placed a hand on Moe's knee to comfort her. However, Moe slid away from her, inching closer to the door before placing the earbuds into her ears and leaning against the window. Ever started up the car and pulled away from the facility, but she started doubting herself for the first time as to whether she had made the right decision to remove Mo after only the mandatory minimum time. Perhaps she should have asked the therapist more questions as to why she believed Mo should continue her stay past the 72 hours, but she glanced over at Mo, whose eyes were shut, almost in a trance state from the music playing in her ears, and made peace with her decision. She had planned on taking the normal route home, but there was some serious construction going on with the main artery. Four lanes were merging into one clogged nightmare. She decided to take another route, which meant driving through King Harbor. She had hoped that it would not trigger another episode for Mo, but had little choice. Everest allowed her mind to wander a bit as she thought about how she would find the man who assaulted her daughter. After Mo was ready, she would get a better description from her and do her own hound work. Better still, she would hire a private investigator to help her if all else failed. Suddenly, Mo's body stiffened as she yanked out her earbuds. She pointed to a man who had been parked in an alley who climbed out of his car and walked around the corner into a liquor store, which was closing. The man pounded on the door, demanding he be let in. The clerk looked at his watch before allowing the last customer in. The silence was split by a scream which had been suppressed deep down inside. It's forced its way out Mo's mouth as if the devil had released her soul. It was a kind of scream that penetrated your nerve endings. Everest almost lost control of the car. That's him! That is him! Everest pulled her car over to the side of the road. She grabbed Mo by the shoulders and shook her violently to snap her back to reality. She matched Mo's intensity with a ferocious shout. Are you sure? Again, Mo bellowed, that is him. He did this to me. She pulled away from Everest and pounded her head against the window. One, two, three, four times, almost shattering it. Everest asked one last time, you have to be absolutely sure. Mo turned her head in the direction of her mother with steely eyes and nodded in the affirmative. That was a man who hurt me. I can't get his face out of my mind. Ever search Mo's eyes for any sign of hesitancy. She saw none. Everest leaned over and kissed Mo, who was back in a catatonic state. This was it. For every punch, there will be a counterpunch. This was her chance, possibly her only chance, to do away with the evil that had destroyed her daughter. She opened the car door and shut it behind her. She walked to the back of her vehicle and popped the trunk open. After rummaging through the trunk, she found what she was looking for, a tire iron. Everest slammed the trunk closed and locked the car with the remote. Mo was non-responsive, just staring into space. Everest watched as a man exited the liquor store. He opened up a pack of cigarettes. He patted his coat pockets for a match. When he couldn't find one, he pounded on the store's door again, but this time the clerk turned the lights off. 
incensed, the man kicked the glass door to the store before walking around the corner back into the alley where he had parked. He used his key to manually unlock his car door. He leaned in, searching for matches in his center council, when he felt a sharp, blunt pain across the back of his legs. He spun around to find Everest standing before him with both hands gripping tightly on the tire iron. What the hell, bitch? he shouted. Ever swung, once again aiming for his chest. She swung with all her might, with a force that could bring down a mountain. The tire iron left a gash across the man's chest. He stared down at his chest, then steadied himself against the car. He reached for his wallet, but could not keep a grip of it. It fell to the ground. Take it! Everest didn't even glance at the wallet. She raised the tire iron above her head as the man raised a palm, as if to say, Wait, please. Why are you doing this? he shouted. Everest lowered the tire iron for a brief moment before answering him with a chilling, steady-paced response. You will never hurt another young girl again. Everest waited for the man to deny it, because that's what these types do. He may have denied it. He may not have. She didn't know, because the rage she felt in her body controlled every action she made. The ringing in her ears of justice nevermore being denied took over. Everest raised the tire iron one last time and swung it at the man's head with a severe and deadly blow. It made direct contact, causing his head to snap to the left violently. It bobbled up and down like a deflated balloon being pulled below the water's surface. The man felt immediate weakness and paralysis of his arms and legs. He crumpled to the ground, ending up in a seated position. His eyes dilated, then closed. The bobbing subsided, as did his ragged breathing. Everest leaned down and felt for a pulse on the side of his extended neck. There wasn't one. She stood up and looked around at her surroundings for any cameras or witnesses. There was one camera pointing right in their direction. However, the lens was broken and it was hanging away from the building with loose wiring. With a tight grip still in the tire iron, she turned and walked away, being careful not to be seen leaving the alley. Once she reached their car, she popped open the trunk, found a plastic bag, and wrapped the tire iron inside it. She carefully placed it back in the trunk and closed it up tightly, taking great care not to make any sound. Mo had come out of her suspended state and had her earbuds back in place. Everest unlocked the car door and slid in behind the steering wheel. Her hands shook as she reached for the wheel. Sweat poured down her ashen face as she turned her attention back to Mo. When Mo was ready, Everest would assure her that the man who hurt her was gone for good, taken care of. Everest was certain that news would aid in her daughter's recovery. Killing a man was not as it seemed on television, Everest thought. It was messy and ugly, but she told herself that he deserved it and that she did what she had to do for her daughter's sanity. But what about hers? It already seemed like a dream, but his blood on her tire iron was a testament to reality. But it was done, it was done, and over with.
Evers pulled away from the curb, flicking on her headlights only after putting a short distance between her and the scene of the crime. The further away from the alley, the more relief she felt. They were now only a few short miles from their home on a familiar stretch of road. As Everest stopped at the light, Moe sat up in her seat with a straight back as she pointed at a young man sitting at a bus stop. He wore torn jeans and a bomber jacket. He was reading a comic book, hysterically and with frenzied high-pitched wail as she pointed at the young man. Moe shouted, That's him! That's it. How did you like the book? I hope you enjoyed listening to Counterpunch as much as I enjoyed writing it and reading it to you. And guess what? I'll be releasing Counterpunch full audiobook soon. You'll be able to find it on Amazon, ACX, and other platforms. Counterpunch the ebook and paperback can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple Books, Google Play, and Kobo. Want to leave me a voice message? Visit my anchor.fm page, the link is in the show notes, and click on the button that says message to leave me one. I may just use your voicemail in a future podcast. Want to suggest a show episode or get in touch? Visit me at authoruncut.com or send me an email at mailback at patricewilliamsmarks.com. And finally, to join my email list, go to authoruncut.com. Until next time. Right on.